sweet. It's an expression that we use sometimes when something's like excellent or awesome or pleasing. Um, I was watching the uh, Steeler game, Steelers and Raider game, Sunday after church uh, last week, and uh, it was a good game. And they were tied up, fourth quarter, and the Steelers drive down, and with two seconds left, Boswell hits, hits a field goal for a game winner. I was sitting on the couch, I go, sweet, you know, sweet. It's, it's one word, but it communicates a lot, doesn't it? We're in this series, sweet, and we say we're going to get a little sugar fix through this, but we're sampling some of the things from God's word that help us find the sweet life. And today's topic, I believe, has the potential to impact your life in a significant way. In fact, I believe it could change the way you live life. And my, my hope and my prayer is that you'll be open to what God might want to say to you today. And I believe that it can have you saying sweet, it could have your family saying sweet. But at the same time, I'm going to kind of warn you, I think this is real easy to dismiss to shake it off, so to speak. Uh, you sit in here and you go, yeah, that's good stuff. I, ne- I need to make some changes. And then when we finish up, you walk out of here, nothing. Absolutely no changes. So don't let that be the case. You know, if God wants to say something to you today, if God wants to show you something in your life, if God wants to challenge you to change something, I, I would challenge you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you and for you to be sensitive to God's leading in whatever area that is. Today, we're going to talk about a lesson, a lesson that everybody learns. Everybody learns this lesson. We learn it one way or another. You, you can learn it the easy way or you'll learn it the hard way. You can learn it today or you can learn it down the road. And I will tell you, if it's down the road, you will look back with a lot of regret in your life. Some will not figure this out till they're on their deathbed. And others, it will only be clear when they're in eternity and they're looking back and they would give anything for an opportunity to do life over. But you can't. And so you're going to be stuck with eternal regret. And so I hope and pray that we learn this today. And maybe you've already learned it, and I hope it just reinforces it. But it'll help you make a difference in how you live. And it'll allow you to live that sweet life. So anybody remotely interested? Yeah, sweet. Okay. All right. How many of you are familiar with the candy spree? Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. This, uh, this candy was uh, manufactured now by uh, Willy Wonka, but originally, mid-60s when it came out, it was created by the Sun- Sunline Candy Company. You know where they were located? St. Louis. So in a way, St. Louis original here. It's a sweet and sour little tart. It comes in a variety of colors. 
and, and they're good. Any, anybody here in the house a spree fan? Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I can't throw all the way in the back. I'm afraid I'll knock somebody out. All right. Hey, three catches in a row, huh? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it was all in the throw. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the uh, commercial, but it would have someone opening a package at the time. They were, they were a lot of times in a, in a kind of a cylinder package. But they would take one out, they'd put it in their mouth, and when it got in their mouth, they looked like they were being electrocuted. You know, and they would go, Spree! And then the commercial would shift and you would have these kind of rapid uh, images and activities taking place. And then the announcer at the end would go, it's tangy, fruity, it's chewy, it's a kick in the mouth, you know. Well, spree may be sweet as a candy. But spree, as an approach in life, is anything but sweet. You know, Webster Dictionary defines spree as a period of time filled with unrestrained activity. Spree! And I think there are a lot of people living that way. I believe in many ways. It kind of represents what our culture has lied to us about that has, we've been feeding on for years, a lie that I believe some of you have bought into. And that, that lie promises the sweet life. But in reality, what happens, it will ruin your life. It will rot your soul. It will get the best of you. Hey, let's see if you know the lie. If one is good, two is better, or more is better. And if a million dollars is good, Two million's better. More's better. You know, if having whatever is good, then more will be better. And I wonder, have you reached the point where you can say, enough's enough? You know, if you go back in time, you go to the beginning of creation, the Garden of Eden, I think you see a form of this lie. If one is good, more is better. You know, God created the earth, and when he got done, he stepped back, and he goes, it's good, it's good. Then he creates Adam, and he looks and says, you know what, it's not good. It's not good for him to be alone. And so God made a sleep come over Adam, took a rib from Adam, and he created Eve. Adam woke up, he sees Eve, and he goes, whoa, man, Woman. (laughs) Man, I had to explain that one. But then God said to him, have fun. Be fruitful. Multiply. And God said, you know what? You can have anything in this garden. Anything you want. But you cannot eat from that tree over there. Anything you want, but not from that one. And so Lucifer, Satan, he comes in the form of a serpent. And he approaches Adam and Eve. He says, did 
did God really say that you can't eat from that tree? See, God knows that when you eat from that tree, when you eat the fruit from that tree, you'll be like God. So Satan's selling a lie here. He's basically saying, hey, you got everything. You got everything, but what you don't have, that's what you need. You have everything. But for you to be happy, why don't you get that? See, more, more is always better. And so Adam and Eve bought the lie. They ate the fruit. They found out it wasn't sweet. In fact, things will go sour in their life. We've, been, we've all been paying for it since. Have you ever thought more's better? I, I was trying to remember when I really realized that wasn't true. That more was not always better. How many of you are familiar with uh, pixie sticks? <laughs> well... These are uh, great, great candy. They're, they're full of uh, powdered sweet tart dust. Uh, and uh, they were created before sprees, by the way. In fact, uh, pixie sticks uh, led to the creation of sweet tarts, and then sweet tarts led to the creation of sprees. Aren't you glad to come to church today? <laughs> I remember uh, when my brother and I, we were, we were kids, and we uh, got into our family grocery store and we broke open a case of pixie sticks. And so we decided, we were, I was in fourth grade at the time, all right? But we decided we were going to see how many we could eat. <laughs> I've not had any since that day, ever. <laughs> Holding them, I'm a little, little uptight here. But we ripped them open, tipped them up, filled our mouths with that tart powder, you know, cherry and orange and grape and punch. And I do not know how many we ate. I'll just tell you it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. We had this huge pile between us of just empty straws. And at one point, we both started feeling sick and we're moaning and laughing, and we're behind the the store, sitting on the ground, and we're trying not to get sick. And I look over, my brother has turned green at this point. And it wasn't the only color. He's got this tetanicolor slime coming out of his nose, down his face, and... More? Not always better. Have you figured that out? Scripture says this, better one handful with tranquility than two handful with toil and chasing after the wind. And here's the thought that I want, want you to grasp because this is the life changer here. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter in life and more of what does matter. Better is one handful than two hands full. Better's one handful than more. You know, why, why one handful better than two? Well, if you got one handful, guess what? I got a free hand. 
I have time to help someone. If I've got one handful, I, I have the ability and the time and the capability of encouraging other people and touching other people's lives. I mean, if I've got one handful, I can breathe. I have latitude to engage in life. I mean, if I've got one handful, I can take time and enjoy life. Better's one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. See, if I have two hands full, if someone needs help, I don't have a hand to help them. I don't have the time to help them. I mean, what can I do? Someone comes to me and says, hey, could you help me? I'm praying for you. Good luck with that. See, if I have two hands full, I have more than I can manage. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have the desire to help you. See, better one handful with tranquility than two hands full with toil and chasing after the wind. And Jesus, he would kind of up the ante here. He... he approaches this topic with some really tough words. He says, speaking to the people, he went on, he says, take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined. Life is not defined. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. He says, don't let your guard down. Two hands full, whether it's stuff or trying to live life and do everything, it will steal your life. More, 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 more. It will kick you in the mouth. It will leave you wanting. See, more, not always better. In fact, Jesus would follow this up with a a parable. He tells about a successful guy, a guy that's going to tear down his old barns, going to build new barns, bigger barns, better barns, And he's finally planning on enjoying life, Scripture says. But then God says, tonight's your last. Your life's over. And Jesus closes with this comment. He says, that's what happens when you fill your barns with self and not with God. See, more, more, more chasing the wind filling up our our hands with stuff and our time with stuff. And what happens as we're chasing all this stuff, we don't have what matters most. And that's a growing relationship with God. You know, I'm convinced that with God, the issue is not how much stuff we have. The issue is what has you, what owns you. You know, what is it? that has your heart? What is it that gets your energies? What is it that gets your time? What is it that gets your attention? You know, what are you pursuing in life? Better, one handful with tranquility than two hands full with toil and chasing the wind. See, God wants us to be rich, rich toward what matters, less concerned about what doesn't matter, So I want you to think for a moment. What matters most to you? 
Think about that. Think of it. What would you put in the top three things? What matters most? It should be easy. But I find most struggle with this one. If you're not sure, I'm going to help you a little bit to figure out what matters most. I want you to imagine that you go to the doctor. Doctor invites you in the office, sits you down. And the doctor says this to you. I got some bad news. You've got three months to live. Now, what's important to you? Anytime I've given that scenario to to people and I ask them, now what's important to you? The answers are very similar, usually. Usually people will say things like, well, my relationship with God, knowing God is going to be really important. And then they'll say things like their marriage, you know, their husband, their wife, their family, their kids, sons, daughters. And then after that, it's a mixture of things. People say, well, the the church is important, making a difference with, with what time I have left knowing that my extended family, you know, that they know God, those types of things, that, uh, that that's important. And here's the shocking thing. Very seldom do I have someone say, oh, the amount of money that I got, my annual salary, you know, a particular model of car or size of house, It's not about the numbers. It's not about the numbers in the portfolio. It's not about the numbers in our possessions. You know, it's not about the number of followers you have on Facebook or your high score on Candy Crush. Yeah. Shocking, isn't it? I mean, I know. But it's not that stuff. None of those things, none of those things are the most important None of those things, yet they're the things that we pursue and we allow to monopolize our time and our energy. They're the things that when we're faced with the reality that the end is near, friends, those things don't even register. I mean, what's important? What's important in light of death, in light of eternity? What was important, what we thought was, Not so important. So define what's important in your life. And I would say, beware. Choose very, very carefully. See, I believe that God's Holy Spirit will guide us and and will push us to let go of some stuff today. Less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. One handful living. To live this way, instead of two hands full, it requires making choices, tough choices. You know, so many people are grasping for everything. And we're not just talking about stuff here. We're we're trying to do everything as well. Do all this stuff. One handful, friends, is better than two. One handful is better than more. But we bought the lie. 
Better one handful with tranquility than two hands full with toil and chasing after the wind. So, so how can we live that way? Well, first, I want to encourage you to let go of what doesn't matter in life. Just let it go. There's stuff that needs to go. Paul, Paul or the Hebrew writer, it's debated who, who wrote this, but it says, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that dis- distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. I want you to notice it says, we must get rid of what? Everything. Not some things. Everything that gets in the way. Why would we give up everything that gets in the way? So we can run the race. So that we can live life. So we can experience the the sweetness. We're to get rid of it. Scripture says we're to throw it off. Whatever hinders us. Whatever slowing us down. You know, in the Greek that get rid of, it is the idea of violently throwing it down. Throwing it down, get rid of it. When I was in uh, high school, my best friend, he was weeding around their shed one day and we wanted to go do something. And so I went over and I, I was helping him so he could get done quicker. And so we're down on our hands and knees and we're pulling weeds. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but a snake dropped off the, their shed onto his head. And he's jumping around and he's dancing and he's trying, he's trying to get it off and he finally grabs it and he just throws it. But that's the image of what God wants us to do with all this stuff that's slowing us down, that's messing us up, that's distracting us, that's hindering you in life. You just fling it. Anything that interferes with the race. And there is a race that you're running. It's a race that God has, has planned for you. God's given you a purpose in this life, and it's to be about the things that matter, the truly important stuff. But the evil one, culture, they want to lure you away from it. They want to lure you. And it's not always something bad that they lure you with. In fact, most of the time, it'll be something good but it's not the best. See, the the evil one has a strategy. And he gets in our head. He's like, hey, 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 what about that over there? You ought to do that. That looks like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Your kids, they'll have a blast if you do this. Hey, look at that. You don't have that, do you? You need it. It'll make life good. And friends, you have to be disciplined to throw it down and get rid of what doesn't matter. I mean, how are you going to do that? Well, I I think you can cut back, you can throw it out, you can turn it off. You know, there's things that we just need to cut back on. You know, most people, I can think of two areas right away that you need to cut back on. One's cut back on spending in your life. Better one handful with tranquility. One handful life's good than two hands full where you worry, you fret, you got a lot of anxiety, fear. Better's one handful. I can breathe. 
One handful, I'm able to enjoy life, spend time with my family, my friends. Instead of pedal to the metal, strapped, running, trying to make it, surviving. See, I don't know what cutting back means in your life. I wouldn't presume to know. But for some of you, that means you downsize. For some of you, it means rearranging, maybe stepping down in a particular area of life. But I know this, it's better to live than have. It means cutting back on your schedule. Some of you really need to pray about this one and aggressively begin cutting back on the stuff you're trying to do. You know, cutting back on that, that societal pressure that, that says, say yes to everything. It's epidemic. It's destroying people. It's destroying families. It destroys children. It messes with our heads. It's destroying people's physically and emotional health. It destroys faith. And it destroys relationship with God. I, I hear it all the time from people. I see it. People check out on God. It's the first thing, go, why? I got a lot of stuff going. You know, I hear it when I ask somebody, I'll go, how you doing? Oh man, I'm busy. I am tired. We're exhausted. I don't know how we're even going to make it. Friends, it's not God's design. That's not the sweet life, I can tell you. When was the last time you asked somebody, hey, how are you doing? And they go, oh, man, I am so rested and relaxed. I am enjoying. I got all this free time. It is amazing. I'm hanging out with the kids. I'm connecting with my spouse. I'm spending time with God. Things are fantastic. Ever? Have you ever had someone tell you that? I mean, cultures lied. More is not better. Some of the things on your schedule, you just got to cut it back. And there are other things you just need to throw it out. Just because everybody else is doing it, you got to learn to say no. Which means giving up some good things. So you can pursue better things. I learned this the hard way. When I, when I first got in ministry, there were all these good things. I mean, lots of good things came my way. All the stuff I could do. People would come to me, they'd go, hey, Damon, could, could you speak at this? You know, we'd really like you to come speak, or we'd like you to do this, or we'd like you to start this, or could you attend this? You know, could you give to this or that? And all this stuff. And I learned very rapidly. Everyone had a plan for me. And it was going to kill me if I tried to do it. I did not have the energy. I did not have the time. I did not have the resources to do it all. Most of the things were good that people were asking me to do. But they were not the most important things. See, I learned to say no. In fact, I learned to say no a lot. And any time I would say no, people would go, "But, but Damon, this is a really good thing. I know it is. But no, you have to learn to say no to good things. 
I just assume we say no to bad things. But you say no to the good things so you can say yes to the best things in life. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. You know, sometimes if, if more is the challenge, sometimes you have to do more than cutting back. You've got to throw stuff out. You just got to throw stuff out, remove it from your schedule. It may mean removing yourself from a club or an organization or an activity in your life. It may mean that you've got to say no to something that's fun or some opportunity or some sports activity that needs to go. Maybe it means eliminating some activities with, with your kids. Some things just have to go. You have to throw it out like your life depended on it because, friends, in a real way, your life does depend on it. You know, we also have to actually physically throw stuff out. You know, clean the clutter, so to speak. Clean house. It is amazing to me, the stuff, and all of us do it. We, we gather stuff, don't we? We collect stuff. We store stuff. We dust stuff. We accumulate all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Why? Why? We, we fill our closets up. See, does this go this way in your house? You fill the closets up. Then you get so much stuff in the closets that you move some of it to the basement. And then you get so much in the basement, you finally move it out into the garage. And if it really gets out of hand, you go and rent space to store more stuff. Right? Why, why are we doing that? Clean the clutter. If you haven't used it, if you haven't wore it in the past year, pass it on, clear it out. Give it to somebody that actually could use it. See, one handful, it's better than more. So what do do you need to throw out? What needs to go? And then turn it off. Turn it off. Learn to turn it off. Learn to shut the TV off sometimes. Some of you plop down in front of the TV and you spend so much time watching TV when you should be spending time with your son or your daughter or your spouse or with each other. You know, some of you sit there so long, you're wasting your life. You're just wasting it. And what I'm about to say, I know I'm going to cause some family disagreements today. I apologize, but it's something that needs to be talked about. For some of you, your cell phone has become your idol. For some of you, you're hooked to it. You post, you got your comments, you got your page. Oh, I got five likes. Cool, cool. Tweet, I got retweeted three times. And you're surfing and you're doing all this stuff and we're stuck to the screen. Friends, live real life. Live in the real life. There's something wrong if getting a high score on Candy Crush or whatever or reading some blog or surfing and seeing what's, what's on the net is more important than connecting with your spouse or spending time with your kids or your parents or whatever. Sit, you're sitting with real-life people, and yet we're glued. Turn it off. There's something better. There's something better. Anyone that knows me knows I love technology. But what I'm saying is sometimes you just got to turn it off. Have you ever uh, been at a, a meeting or, you know, you're catching somebody for coffee or lunch or whatever, and you're sitting there and you're talking 
and they're getting like a text or a notification like every two minutes. You ever had that experience? I mean, I'll be sitting there talking with someone, and they go, oh, just a second. And then they're back, and we're talking. Oh, sorry. And I will tell you, the second time that happens, and they're gone again, you know, I lose them. I've offended many people through the years. Because when that happens, I'll usually go, oh, do you have something urgent happening? Oh, no, no, it was a joke somebody sent me. Or, you know, I got a reminder because I'm going to do this. Or, oh, I got this really cool picture. You want to see it? And, and I'll go, well, I'm talking to you. If you don't mind, turn it off. And I, sometimes I can tell I've offended them. Probably going to have to pay for the lunch. That's Okay. But my point is, friends, sometimes you've got, got to turn it off. Some of you could change your family. You could change your marriage if you just turned it off. See, one handful, it's better than a bunch of apps, a bunch of games, a bunch of posts or whatever. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of those things that don't matter in life so you can grasp the things that do matter And then I want to challenge you to fight for what matters in this world. You know, we're going to let go of some stuff that doesn't matter. Why? So we can fight for the things that do matter in life. You know, it's time to fight. The bell has rung. You know, we need to step in and fight, 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 fight. The Old Testament, Nehemiah, he's trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He's trying to restore the city back to health. And they're facing opposition. And they're trying to convince them not to rebuild the walls. In fact, they start threatening them. And Nehemiah, he kind of assesses the situation because he realizes people are like, oh, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do this. It's getting a little tough. And he stands before the people. And he says, don't be afraid of our enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and powerful. You must fight for your brothers your sons and your daughters. You must fight for your wives and your homes. Restore the family back to health. Fight. You know, draw your swords and fight. Fight for your faith. Fight for your family. The things that are important. Fight like men of God and fight like women of God. And fight for the best in life. Do not believe culture's lies. They will lie to you. Do not waste your life. Fight for what matters. Less of what doesn't matter. Why? So you can have more of what does matter in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to fight. And my life is more valuable. And my calling is more important. And my family is more precious. And my God is great than for me to take and waste my life on things that just don't matter. And you know what? Your life is too. Your life is too valuable, and you ought to fight for it. See, God created you for a purpose. He put you on this earth to to glorify him and love him and love the people in your life and to make a difference in this world and to do the things that are important. And you've got to watch. You've got to be on guard. You've got to protect yourself from the greed of more, 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 more. See, one handful... 
is better than more. I remember uh, my girls, um, they were little at, at the time, and I was getting ready. I was heading to another meeting, and uh, it was a church meeting. And I remember saying, I was heading out the door, and uh, I remember saying, I'll see you guys tomorrow, because they, they'd be in bed by the time I got home. And they're like, oh, Dad, 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 you're going to be gone again tonight? And I, I could see that they were highly disappointed. And so as I'm driving to my meeting, third one that week, those words echoed in my head. See, I was doing a good thing. Wasn't hanging out with the boys. Wasn't heading to the bar. Wasn't, wasn't doing anything terrible. I was heading to a meeting at church. It was a good thing. But I made a decision that evening. And I made a commitment that evening that I was going to invest in the best things, that I had to get balance in my life that reflected my values of honoring God. You know, I've always said God's first, my marriage is second, and my my kids' family are next. And so I started paring back. I started saying no. I started trying to figure out how I could put everything into one evening Why? So I could say yes to my children. And I know as you hear that story, you go, yeah, yeah, okay. So what's the big deal? Well, I would argue that for my girls, it was a huge deal. They were were 7 and 10 at the time. They're in their 30s now. And I think they would tell you it still mattered. It made a difference. See, better is one handful than more. Better is one handful growing in my relationship with God. Better is one handful and a great marriage. Better is one handful with time to spend with your kids. Better is one handful with love. See, better is one handful than two hands full where you're stressed out, no margin, you're missing out, and you're burning out. Some of you have both your hands full. And you're busy, and you're running, and you're pursuing, and you're conquering, and you're achieving, and you're storing, and you're gathering, and it's more, 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 more. And you got all this stuff, and you're doing all this stuff. But friends, I got to tell you, more, it's not better. It's just more. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more what does matter. Fight for that. Fight for what matters most. You know, slice the commitments, trim the schedules. One handful of all the stuff that matters, you do that, life can be sweet. It really can. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, it's so easy to get both hands full. Stuff we're gathering, stuff we're getting, trying to get. God, sometimes our schedules just get so full, can't even breathe. 
God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just nudge us, whatever, whatever it is that we're pursuing that doesn't matter, that you just sound the sirens. That we'd realize we, we need to do less. God, I pray that your Spirit would just draw us toward the things that do matter. Help us rearrange, reevaluate, and start a new way. We'd run after the stuff that matters. We'd have a passion to pursue it. God, we just uh, ask your Holy Spirit would guide us to make good decisions. God, we just lay it all at your feet. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said...